Scam Rangers, a podcast about the human side of fraud and the people who are on a mission to protect us. I'm your host, Ayelet Bigger-Levine, and I'm passionate about driving awareness and solving this problem. Welcome to Scam Rangers. We often talk about the emotional impact of scams on victims. And one of the things that is really challenging for us as we are looking to solve the problem of online scams and stop them in their tracks is the fact that a person who is deep into the scam life cycle is really in a tricky space in terms of sense of reality because they're often under emotional manipulation by the time they want to transfer money to the bank. They're under this emotional manipulation of someone is convincing them that what they're going to do, the money that they're going to transfer is done for legitimate reasons that either it's their bank fraud team or a friend or someone that they got into a romantic relationship with or some kind of manipulation that makes them believe the cyber criminal versus a legitimate person. And then once the bank fraud team actually calls them because they do suspect that it's a scam, it's really hard to stop it in its tracks because they believe they're talking to someone legitimate. So today's guest is going to shed some light on what we could do as fraud fighters in order to help victims and help customers of financial institutions and really try and stop scams before they successfully transfer money to cyber criminals. Today's scam ranger is Tiffany Paulson, and she's a fraud specialist at one of the largest credit unions in the U.S. Previously, she worked for Wells Fargo for 14 years in multiple roles with all levels of consumer and business accounts in multiple different departments, always working on the front lines in customer contact centers. So Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about today's conversation. Tell me a little bit about your career in the in the la- in the credit union you work with now because you didn't start on the fraud team, right? No, I didn't. Um, I actually started on the front lines at the call center as a representative. I started about eight years ago um, when I left the bank. I came to the credit union and I took calls, incoming calls from our 1-800 number. And so I started speaking with our members directly. Early in my role there, that's actually where where the spark started for me to get on that fraud team. I received a call um, in that representative role, and it was a third party actually um, looking to verify a check. And it was for hundreds of thousands of dollars. The third party was providing with a lot of information about how a business was going to get opened overseas and just calling to make sure that check was good. Um, instantly felt like something was off there. And so I sent it over to the fraud department um, and a couple of days later found out that in fact was fraud. Um, so I was happy, um, you know, definitely that I had stopped that situation. And it definitely lit a fire under me to to start my career um, down the fraud path. So I, I, I definitely, I stayed in my uh, contact center representative role um, 
However, I moved up into like a senior role. It was kind of like an assistant manager kind of um, where I had like a team of representatives that I would assist. Um, and throughout this whole time, there were multiple occasions where I was coming across fraudulent you know, situations and accounts and members involved in scams. And I just recognized that I had such a passion for it. So I, I definitely made some moves to, to get to the fraud team um, organically um, through going through our operations team and assisting the fraud team um, with fraud cases that we were dealing with a few years ago. So I got my feet in actually a little bit before I actually joined the fraud team. So you were kind of in the front lines, talking to customers, also when it came to investigating fraud cases a little bit, and then transition to the fraud team kind of full time. Correct. I transferred to the fraud team about three years ago, uh, full time. Mm-hmm. Great. So, can you tell us about your current role? Kind of, what is your day in life? What do you do today at at the credit union? Currently, I'm a fraud specialist too. Um, mm-hmm. I do have uh, my certificate as a certified fraud specialist. Um, so. Daily, what I do is I respond to alerts that we get through our technology software um, through suspicious activity through the credit union. So um, I get alerted to activity and I take a look at our members' accounts to see what might be going on. And if it's fraud, then then I take care of it from there. Um, I often am reaching out to our members um, to discuss situations um, all day long. So we're definitely always reaching out to our members to talk about these situations. What would you say is different when it comes to cases of fraud versus a scam, an authorized versus unauthorized type activity? In my investigations um, with like scams, that's a lot of our established members um, that have been banking with us for a long time. Straight up fraud, um, you know, like new account fraud. So a new account to our credit union is one of those things where it's it's already a red flag that's new. And so depending on what activity you do will draw attention to your account. So a lot of times when these scammers open up accounts at our credit union, they act fast. So, you know, they open the account and they want to be making these deposits and making these withdrawals quickly. So it helps um, with the alerts that we get to be able to look at that account immediately to triage that. Mm -hmm. With the um, established member scams, it's a little bit more um, involved where you know, you have to really look into the member's profile and see what's going on. You have to talk to them and get their side of the story. Yeah. So when I mentioned, when I gave the intro, I talked about the complexity of them thinking that they're talking to someone who's legitimate. And then sometimes you'll call them and you'll try to convince them that they're being scammed or you'll try to first investigate. What are some challenges there and how are you able to convince them? Because it's really a hard task. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. I really appreciate the alerts that we have that alert us to this activity that's possibly in process because that, in my opinion, is a huge part of stopping the scam is calling right in the middle of it, interrupting the scam. If someone is involved, let's say in like a remote access scam and they're working with someone um, that's asking them to do these things with their computer, download these things, transfer this money, they get really wrapped up. And a lot of times with these 
scams, it's our older generation and they don't push back a lot. And so they're doing whatever these people are asking them to do. So when I call in the middle of this, I try to bring them back to reality. I let them know that I'm calling from the institution and we're concerned about the activity that we're seeing. I ask them, you know, has there been anything to happen recently to, to have these transactions occur that we're seeing, these anomalies that I'm referring to? Most of the time, they will, with my call during this time, they will come back to reality and they will say, you know what, I did receive an email and all, all of a sudden, you know, I'm owing this much money um, and they're wanting me to send a wire. And then I can tell them, you know, this is a scam. This is what I see every single day. You know, this is your money, you know, things like that, that where they, they're, they've been being bullied for the last however long. Sometimes these people are on the, these calls with these scammers for hours, just trying to follow these directions and download these apps. And they're so flustered um, that when I'm calling and I'm saying I'm from the bank, I'm seeing strange things. Can you tell me about that? You know, what's going on? I want them to tell me what exactly is going on. So when they tell me, yes, I was emailed or called or sent a text and I clicked on it, um, I allowed access. You know, these they, they tell me these things where I know that that's a scam. I know that that they did, you know, allow the scammer into their system. And so now I have to be the one to let them know, you know, this, this is a fraud. Um, these are not really from that company, you know, as an example, to give them facts gently um, in a way where you're not um, scolding them or, you know, they're not going to be in trouble for, for, for doing this. Um, a lot of People think that they might get in trouble for for doing something like this, but it's always best to to reach out to the to the credit union or you know to whoever is asking you to send them money. Call them directly. Um, right. Don't call the number that's been given to you. Bringing someone back um, from a scam um, can be hard. There was one time where I was observing a remote access scam. It was the typical textbook anomalies that I was seeing when I called our member to ask what was going on, you know, I already knew what was going on. So I just wanted her to be honest with me and confirm like my normal other calls, you know, where they agree, you know, I got an email, this and that. This member, she just, she was very, um, it was very interesting about how she answered her questions with me. Um, she was evasive. She wasn't rude, but it wasn't forthcoming. Um, and I could just tell that she wasn't being honest with me um, when I was asking her these questions, you know, did you get an email or did this happen or why? And her answer is, I just wasn't, I, I just didn't believe she was being honest. And she, we we ended up hanging up the phone um, after we, we spoke and I, I kept the accounts locked um, because I just, with the anomalies that I was seeing. Because, I, so let's break that down a little. That's really interesting because you knew that this is a case of accounting over, or sorry, remote access. So she deployed remote access tool on her computer with the guidance of the criminal and that allowed them to take control of her device and correct. do whatever they wanted, right? Get into mm -hmm. the account and, and transfer money. And correct. she was being scammed, but she also likely was guided by them to, you know, maybe your bank will call. And if they'll call, then here's what you need to tell them. And oftentimes they actually work with the victim to manipulate them to 
you know, tell them that their bank is in on it. Like your bank is trying to take control of your account. So we're going to save you. And they kind of completely gaslight them into a different situation where they think their, their bank is, is in on it and they need to not answer the bank correctly. You know, it's a scam. And I really like your approach where you didn't call and say you're being scammed because that's a hard pill to swallow. And sometimes it's, it's too harsh. So you're kind of asking very gently. I think that's a really, really interesting approach. And, and to kind of to generalize that, first of all, I want to ask what happened at the end of that specific story, but also would love to dive a little deeper into your approach. What makes you successful and what do you bring into these conversations? Probably empathy is one of the key factors, but what else do you bring into your conversation? So let's start maybe with that particular story, how that ended. Yeah. Um, so that lady, um, that member ended up calling us back and the first question that she asked, she wanted her access back. She wanted online banking back. She was still trying to send this money to these bad actors. And I mentioned to her, I just said, Hey, you know, we're, we're just really concerned about the activity. You know, sometimes there's things when members get wrapped up in scams and they're being threatened. And when I said that, um, she broke down. She didn't cry, but it was like, oh my gosh, they were threatening me. They were threatening my family, you know, and she was, like I said, elder, you know, older. And so that scared her. And so she, she was doing whatever they told her to. They told her to lie to us. They told her to not be honest about what we were, you know, what the transfers were for and things like that. They told us to lie. That's what, that's what they do. They, they've gaslit these people so long, you know, for an hour or two or whatever it is. And they've got them to agree to lie to the bank when they call. So when she called back and I, you know, I told her, you know, this is a scam, this is fraud, you know, they do threaten people. She, she did tell me that they were threatening her. And so I did, I was able to let her know, you know, I actually, part of the, part of my, um, when I speak to our members and they do give me the truth, I thank them for being honest with me. I appreciate that you, you know, that they come forward with what's been happening. They, they're telling me what it's matching what I'm seeing. Um, and so I, I, I make sure to thank them for, for being honest. Um, I let them know that, you know, they are not alone in this situation. Unfortunately, this is something that I'm seeing all the time. Um, and I give them, um, you know, things to look into, you know, look into this, you know, look this up. Um, I try to give them some, some resources to, to help themselves because chances are this might happen again. Um, so I, I talk to them like I'm, they're, they're my family. I've always done that with my, my entire you know, career. I, I, I talk to people, money is very emotional when you work for a, a financial institution. So um, when dealing with serious matters, especially something like this, um, I try to, you know, imagine I'm talking to my grandma or something like that. So um, it does definitely help with them telling the truth and coming out with everything that happened. They feel more comfortable in talking to me. And what about cases of romance scams? I think when you're, the example that you gave about like a help desk uh, IT help desk scam potentially when like the, that's very common for remote access or that one time scam where someone is probably, you know, very long session being manipulated, but it's not a re recurring thing. When you're in a relationship or you think you're in a relationship and you transfer money to this dude on an oil rig or on the army overseas and, and it happens again and again, and you and your systems are able to track these anomalies and the money is sent and Maybe you know that the person is recently divorced or widowed 
or whatever is going on there. And maybe even family members who are concerned and reach out to you, potentially, I've heard that those cases as well. How do you address those types of cases when you reach out to members? Have you had success in those types of scams? I have. Um, romance scams are one of the largest scams that we do see. A lot of times these scammers ask them to open up accounts at just random institutions. And so a lot of times they're new, you know, they're new accounts with us. So that's, like I said, it's kind of like a red flag already. Um, and then they, um, you know, the activity that they do definitely brings our attention. So when they've done things like make a deposit or know there's anomalies that we're seeing and we're alerted to it we give them a call um and we we ask hey what's going on it can happen with established members and it has this uh specific instance that i'm thinking of that i had recently um it, you know the romance scams they target the lonely and the vulnerable like you said if they're widowed or recently divorced um and they're going online and with these people in those situations, they haven't been told these things that these scammers are telling them, you know, these romantic things and, you know, promises of love and marriage. The and, love bombing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and the money. A lot of times they're promised them money too. So they're not only promising them love and marriage, but they're saying, hey, I can also get us millions of dollars. And so we can travel around the world. And I've just seen, by the way, today, um, pictures from these types of Roman scams where the, the criminals send like pizza and flowers and teddy bears and they actually sent by by mail to their victims things to kind of convince them that this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it can definitely happen with, you know, men and women. It's not just, you know, females that fall for this scam. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, in this case that I remember, um, there was a gentleman that I spoke with and he, he had some anomalies on his account and I called him and I was asking him about them. And he admitted to me that he, um, he had a fiance that was out of the country and she was having some legal problems and she couldn't get home. And so she had this lawyer. So anytime that it goes into that, it's like, I have this fiance from overseas and then all of a sudden there's these problems and, I gave, you know, money's coming from other countries. It's just, and they're being told all kinds of different things as to why this is happening. And because they're so, I don't want to use the word desperate, but they're so, they're so hopeful that this is real, that they will do whatever without questioning what they're actually doing. Um, They just want that person, you know, to be happy and do what they can to help them. With the romance scams, these people usually have huge hearts and they just want to give their love. And unfortunately, the scammers, they manipulate that into money. So once they get them in love, then they can then get lots and lots, unfortunately, lots of money. So how are you able to untangle that for victims? How can I, how do you get to the point? Because it's really, it's not just believing that this might be a scam. It's also accepting because you're already in it. You already sent money. That's how you guys were able to see that something's going on. You're already knee high deep in this, if not more than that. So how do you help them untangle it? That's a great question. Um, To help untangle it, you provide them with fact. Ask them, are you traveling? No. Okay. I'm seeing logins from here. Can you explain that? I ask them to, you know, where is your fiance? You're 
telling me they're here, but they're actually logging in from here. So do you know why that might be? So I asked them questions to get them really thinking about all the lies that they're being told. You know, I explained to them as far as like online banking, like nobody should have access to that. That should just be yours. Um, you know, these accounts, they, you know, that are the money's coming from, are those your accounts? Like, there's just things that with banking, like you can't do. And so I explained to them, like this, what you're doing, like, you may not be aware of it, but this is, you know, as far as the bank sees, I, I let them know it's a form of money laundering. So I let them know that this is a serious situation that they're in. It's not just romance it's they've actually taken the steps to open accounts to allow credentials to deposits are being made so things are happening that now it's it's more than just they've been lied to they're in a way participating but they don't exactly know that they are so when i spell it out for them they kind of start to put the puzzle together that you know what this isn't right and i did have red flags that popped up and I didn't listen to them. So I, it's, it is hard to be yeah. the, the person to deliver that information. And I always tell them that, like, I hate to be this person to tell you this, but I really want you to really look into this person, you know, don't talk to them anymore. This is not the real person they're claiming to be. Yeah. They're not coming. So, they're not going to meet you in the airport. They're not coming to no. come live with you. And I think it's a really fine line because you, you don't want to be um, someone who's scaring them into like, this is money laundering, you're collaborating with crime, and they're already suffering through all the emotional toll of the scam itself and the relationship not being real. But sometimes a strong, and we we had an, on an earlier episode, we had a private investigator who told us about all the family members really worrying about uh, their relative who was being scammed and the need to, to you know get either the police involved or get or prove that this is not the right person. And even with all those facts, it was really hard for them to convince at times people, because again, they're, they're so emotionally involved in this. So it's kind of a very fine line. And what I liked about what you said is like, I hate to be the person to tell you that's again, a sign of empathy. So tell me a little more about your ability to bring empathy into this conversation and, and your background, because I think that is a big part of it, that the ability to kind of not only use facts, as I think often fraud fighters are very analytical, you know, looking for the needle in the haystack. What are these methods and how do they look like other things we've seen before? Very, very analytical piece, but there's also a big, big psychological aspect that you're dealing with here. Yeah, um, actually, right out of high school, I did actually start studying psychology. Um, I wanted to be a psychologist or, you know, counselor me. Um, I did um, start my college studies with psychology and different courses there. It was an extension of high school. And so I didn't really stick with it. Um, I had, you know, bills that need to be paid. So that's when I started working at the at the bank. But I had that foundation of the psychology. Um, and I've always been interested in, in people and situations and connecting with people. And I've always found that in in financial things, like I mentioned before, it's emotional, regardless of if your accounts overdrawn or 
whatever it is, you can't make your car payment. People are very emotional when it comes to their money. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have that empathy or that compassion, you're not going to get through to people. And so um, I have found that when, you know, when I take the time to have them tell me what's going on. Um, and I just let them talk. I, I listen. I listen for, for them to tell me everything that's been going on so that I'm not just coming in there and saying, you've been scammed and I see this. And um, I want to hear their story. I've been scammed a long time ago, way, way long ago. You know, when I was on the dating sites, I had some people that were scamming me. I didn't send any money or anything like that. But I had the the you know people claiming to be in the military and things like that. So I've experienced what these people are going through and so I can put myself in their shoes. And like I said before I talk to them like they're my family. Um I really do and I feel that they can feel that. Yeah, and I I first of all that's I'm, I'm sorry to hear and I think I think we all kind of we all have our scam stories because it's so pervasive. And I think the fact that it's so pervasive makes me rethink what a certified fraud examiner should look like in, in the coming future, because we know it's all about the forensics and the facts and, and all that. But I'm wondering if we need to infuse another element here of psychology with the growing scam attack vector, because it's just, we, we can see the reports from the FBI and, and the whole conversation about liability and the new programs that the UK government and the Australian government have put out and uh, liability that's coming to several financial institutions around the world. So with all that happening, uh, do we need to rethink our approach to handling scams and investigating and, and, and really putting more empathy in this whole process to be able to navigate better as, as fraud fighters in the space? Um, so what is your biggest concern when it comes to what you're seeing in the scams landscape and what you're hearing from your peers in the industry in challenges of, of tackling this and kind of as a fraud fighter, psych well, not psychologist, but, but pretty robust background in thinking about all of this from a psychological perspective as well. Um, one of the concerns I do have is all of the information breaches that have happened and all the information that's out there on the dark web that we don't really have a lot of control over. Unfortunately, you know, there was a huge um, credit bureau that had a leak. Um, medical companies have had leaks. Credit card companies. Telcos. Get, mm -hmm. Right. Their systems get compromised. And so with all of that information out there, Unfortunately, these bad actors know that and they go there specifically to, to get the information on us. So it's almost like an unlimited source of identities for these people to, to play on. And that is, um, it is a bit overwhelming when you think about it, um, but we can only handle it one at a time. That is concerning as far as how, the amount of activity that's out there. Also something that concerns me is our personal email hygiene. A lot of people have compromised emails and they don't even realize it. They've been using the same password for years. They use the same login credentials for all of their different profiles. Mm -hmm. And then they might not even know that someone has compromised their email and they're just using it right along every day and someone else's too to do fraud and they don't know that. So, you know, as a general rule, we should always be updating our passwords often um, and not using the same ones for different accounts. So those are two concerns I do have. 
right? And that that leaked information on the dark web is kind of a hit list. Like we have your number, so now we know who you are and your number. So we have the keep we the cyber criminals um, have the ability to be kind of build rapport with the individual by knowing a little too much about them and using that data to build credibility and start the scam and start the emotional manipulation. So exactly, absolutely, and. I would love to wrap up with a little bit of hope and ask you, what are you hopeful about and what you're seeing in in this landscape? I am hopeful that with the combination of education, technology and teamwork that we can make a difference. Um, Education is huge. It needs to be talked about these scams. A lot of times people are embarrassed of what they've been going through and what they're what they're dealing with, um, the shame about the scams and stigma needs to be removed. I am hopeful that, you know, people like you are talking about it and people are so passionate about this. And I really do feel that we are getting the word out and we are educating everybody on all this stuff. It's all new to a lot of people, but I think that with, with our teamwork and, and collaborating with technology, it it will definitely, um, it's definitely helped helped me um, in my career. So I can definitely uh, hope that that's happening around the country. So that definitely does make me hopeful. Thank you. And you know, I I really think that there is a lot that fraud fighting teams can take from this conversation and their approach. I know I talk often to financial institutions and they tell me when you transfer them or when you detect the scam during the transfer, it's too late. We can't stop it. Like our chances in stopping it are very, very low. But I think with putting some more thought into it and more empathy, and maybe maybe it needs to be kind of a hybrid team of people who have some more robust background in psychology and the fraud fighters that are more analytical and that fusion combination in, in the investigations as well. Maybe that approach will raise the percentage of success as well. Um, I'm really thank you so much for for sharing your insights with us, and uh, and I wish you and your team a lot of success uh, along the way in this journey. Of course, yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you want to keep up with trends in online scams, regulatory developments, and everything news regarding this topic, follow me on LinkedIn. Ayelet Bigger Living. In addition. If you encounter a message that looks like it's suspicious, you can now validate it through a new website called scamranger.ai. Click on validate a message and you'll get both an evaluation of the level of risk of that scam and guidance on what you should consider to verify this message. Let me know what you think.